0: Be on the dugout. Lay some up, and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Pitcher on the mound like you don't want to face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases Do it for your teammates, do it for the fan. Do it for your city. True ballers understand. You gotta work together, you gotta find a way. Put your body on the line and make that play be on the dugout. Lay some up, and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Pitch on the mound like you don't want to face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases Be on the dugout. Beyond
1: the
2: dugout. Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout. Freedom, baby. December the 3rd, man. Auckland is coming out of lockdown. Red light. We don't care about the travel eyes, bro. All we care about in Auckland is it's out of lockdown. Thank goodness for that. Well, what happened? We're all... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode. It's a big one this week, episode 33, 3rd of December. And that is because this COVID thing that hit New Zealand, I know everyone around the world's like, shut up. We've had it too, But they've been shut down for so long. Mm. Poor friends in Auckland. But today is the day it all gets lifted. Not all of it, of course. Yeah. But freedom comes back to Auckland and, fingers crossed tomorrow, softball starts.
3: Fingers crossed, brother. Fingers crossed. Woo-hoo. I've loved having you here, but I guess you got to go home, go home sometime, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe.
2: Indeed. I'm, look, I'm just stoked for my friends in Auckland, man. They've been holding it tough. They've been able to train the last few weeks, which has been good. But to get back out there and to mingle albeit social distancing with a mask or whatever the hell's going on. Mm. Uh, but they gotta, they, they're got getting to play, man. The rest of the country's been playing for yeah. months. They're getting to play again. Welcome. Auckland, Counties Monaco, Franklin, and the North Harbour Soft Association <laughs> to the game. Welcome
3: back to the game. Welcome to the summer of 21 2022 <laughs>
2: yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Great news. I mean, I tell you what, I can't wipe the smile off my face with him uh, today. It's just going to be outstanding this weekend. Can't wait for us to get our first roving reporter from Auckland. Oh yeah. To tell us about actual ball going on. Oh, in the what's O-9. actually
3: happening in the O nine? Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Outside we'll Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Might be a bit muffled because they'll have a mask on, but. <laughs> 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 Either way, man. Happy days, man. Congratulations to all those in the 0-9 for yeah. locking it down, keeping it going. Tip of the cap. Tip of the cap. Can't, taking, can't have been easy. Taking like, one for the team yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Now you can hit the dance floor, dude. Ooh, oh yeah. I, I well, Are you allowed to depending
3: those? on the venue,
2: and, the, and if you've yeah. got that card, a line then, dancing. Yeah. Bring that back. Yeah. Gotta be vaccinated.
3: Apparently. Did you hear that? I did. I'm a teacher, remember. So, yeah. yeah, I kind of had to to keep my job.
2: (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Good on you, man. Auckland smashed the vaccination rates in a heartbeat, man. Right across all the DHBs. And New Zealand is doing so well. What are we now? We're up to like 87% Mm. across the whole country. I mean, boo. Hit that applause button again.
3: Until the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) Just jokes, just jokes. Wait, Nathan Nooka is going. I told you, no, 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 jokes, Nathan no, jokes.
2: Uh, <laughs> Maybe not. I love you, Nate. Just saying, I love you. Just wish you'd stop posting on social media. <laughs> it's okay, hey look, but dude, give him a break, man. Yeah, you we know, will. We'll be our running a, reporter in a couple of weeks. He'll just post a video say he won $5,000 or something. So let's just, yeah, yeah. Come go, come go <laughs> Did go. someone do that?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Did someone do that? Did they? Yeah. Do they rhyme with episode one? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh,
2: fantastic. Talk yeah. about fantastic, dude. Jerome, but I'm lucky. What a treat.
3: Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I
2: love the, the response online too.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone wanted to hear hear that story. I was I was glad to catch up with him before four man's um four men's home run derby last week. So uh, you know, get a couple of tips of how to hit the ball properly instead of how I do it normally. So, no, nah, uh, hell of a guy, hell of a mullet. Um, yeah, no, nah, he's just all class.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's I don't think August could be having hairdressers are open. God, yeah. What's up with Romy with the mullet? What's going on there? He's always got something going on though, right? The face paint, the something.
1: Oh, the
3: Ultimate yeah. Warrior face paint, yeah.
2: <laughs> Blings it
3: out. Oh, mate.
2: When you can play like that, I suppose you can do what you like. Yeah,
3: exactly. You're going to tell me can't?
2: Yeah. Hell's no. No, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. Hey, I tell you what, I want to muck around this week because this week's guest is so amazing. Yeah. And we talk about her being, being the goat in the woman's game, Naomi Shaw. I think we want to give her most of this podcast.
3: Yeah, fair enough. We, we don't want to see the comments of fast forward to this point when the boys start talk stop talking shit. So, no. Nah, <laughs> no, nah, Naomi's it, like we love her. We we cherish her yeah. like for everything that she's done, everything she continues to do. And just seeing her is just like it's just awesome. So, to sit down and get the get the story from one of the greats, you know, it's, it's so decorated and just such a normal human being when you get to know her. it's just special.
2: Well, that's the thing. People growing up, they want to just play one game for she played like 10 years or so for them, captained them, only time winning the World Cup or World Championship at the yeah. time. 82. 1982. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's been inducted into so many Hall of Fames, man. 5 isn't it? I'm running out of fingers. Yeah.
3: Well, huh. oh, okay, yep. <laughs> I was just checking your fingers. <laughs> yeah.
2: She is all over the place, man. It's either Hall of Fames or Legends Walk or whatever that well, it is. New she's Zealand called. Order of Merit. Wow. I yeah, mean, Sorry dude, about it. Wow. Yeah, she's amazing. You're about to find out over okay, next week. while what makes Naomi Shaw a lady legend she is. Absolutely. Let's go. Hall of Fame, that's right. Five of them. Ten years in New Zealand White Sox team and she is a legend. I can tell you that it is Naomi Shaw that joins us on the couch here at Beyond the Diagot. Kia ora, Naomi.
0: Kia Chopper, It's my pleasure to be here tonight.
2: Well, it's completely our pleasure. Uh, Damien and I have been looking forward to this one. Firstly, uh, Naomi, your history in the game is so storied and so long. I guess the first question I want to ask you, why softball?
0: Well, you know, we lived in a, a sort of a, a low socioeconomic area of the Hutt Valley called Taita. Uh, my parents were very hardworking, they, and there were six of us, six of my family. And they actually encouraged us to do all sorts of sports. We did everything, cricket. Judo, soccer, netball, the works, and softball just happened to be one of those. Um, but I think uh, you know they encouraged us to try everything, and uh, we used to spend an awful lot of time over the Hut River, Tiwakai Um, So swimming was one of those things that we did as well too. There really wasn't anything that we didn't do. Um, but eventually I fell into softball by default because my father was one of the earlier governing members of the Saints Softball Club, and I've been with that club for 55-plus years, from the time that I started playing softball uh, right through to uh, when I finished playing. I'm still a, 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 um, a committee member of the softball club and coach.
2: Wow. David, where is that applause button, dude? Because I don't know about you, bud, but for me, for... When someone is so loyal to one club for that length of time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <that> <laughs> <laughs> I always
3: had that button
2: by accident.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well, we start from the beginning though, uh, Naomi. No here queer, what is your genealogy? Where are you from?
0: Well, I, I, I tend to say that I've got a foot in both camps. My mother is uh, Ngāti Kahununu mm-hmm. Kiti Wairo, uh, rongo mai Wahine from out Mahe Peninsula into Wharitoa. Uh, and my father is uh, Ngāti Pakia, he's English. Mm. And um, so, foot in both camps, I call it. And we had a very privileged upbringing. Um, where they worked very hard to support me and my five other siblings, and we had a pretty fun childhood. So uh, so that's going way back from the very beginning. Wow.
2: here Peninsula, I was, I was lucky enough growing up, uh, summer vacations used to be just back in at Opotama Blue Bay Motor Camp was where we used to go. It's a great spot up there.
0: It's beautiful. We were actually over the hill in a place called Whangaehe, Yeah, uh, where we whakapapa to some land there, and it really is one of the most beautiful places in the world, and so yeah, we uh, do travel back to Mahi Peninsula quite regularly.
2: Nice, nice, very, very cool. They they used to have this fishing spot, Damon, on the north side of the peninsula, and you could get out of this rock in low tide, and then surf it, let the tide do its thing, come back low again, you can get back off the rock, otherwise it's too high water to get back in and out.
0: You're probably talking about snapper rock over Whangaeheway. That, is that the spot? Is that yeah, the place? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um. And so there is, uh, you know, you've got a whole lot of rock pools that, that ex- are exposed in the low tide. Yeah. And you can actually do a little bit of diving. And, you know, I took all the, the muckles and the kids back there, and that's where they learned to snorkel. So, yeah, mahis are pretty special and beautiful place. It is indeed. Mm.
3: Just because you mentioned the Hut River before, isn't there a shore rock?
0: Oh, there's absolutely a shore rock. They yes. tend to call it Taita Rock, but we renamed it shore rock. <laughs> and, uh, Why you know, is it
2: called shore rock?
0: Well, it was just across the road <coughs> from where we lived. And um, we spent <coughs> our whole childhood over there. We'd come straight home from school, over the river. We'd only come home when the streetlights went on. Yes. So, uh, So there's a huge rock there which you can jump off. Um, it was pretty difficult to climb In my later years When I got a little bit older and heavier I actually went over and chipped some steps Into the rock nice. To help me climb up the <laughs> rock yeah, <nice. laughs> um, It's still a very, very popular uh, Swimming hole for the hut valley very nice. And uh, I now walk my dog down there all the time and you know it's absolutely chock with kids from, from the Taita region awesome. so yes we did uh, the shores renamed it the uh, shore rock mm. um, but we've had a little bit of opposition to all our neighbourhood neighbourhood friends <laughs> um, they all wanted to call it after their whānau so yeah. we've had some pretty funny banter on Facebook and <laughs> social media and stuff
2: uh, awesome awesome that's where the manu came from eh shore <laughs> rock uh, uh, fantastic uh, that's, that's brilliant One other memory comes to mind, man, when I talk about that fishing spot up in Mahia, was the first time I saw my dad wear one of those handkerchief hats. Have you ever seen that? I don't know if you're old enough, Damien, for this. <laughs> is you get a <laughs> handkerchief chip and you kind of screw the corners. Yeah, four corners. Yeah, four corners, and yeah. then you wear it as a hat. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty modern in my head. Yeah, very good.
0: That's <laughs> the sort of thing that my father would wear too as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Something a little different for sure. Yeah. Uh, Naomi, you, you touched on um, you got to do a lot of things growing up, but it's been saints from the woe to go. How important is that to you?
0: Oh, it was it was pretty much everything. I, I never ever c- considered leaving the Saint Softball Club. Um, as I mentioned before, my father was one of the earlier um, founding members. Mm. He wasn't the original, um, but he certainly started as a manager. Uh, my mother didn't wasn't involved in softball. She was a pretty good tennis player, um, but all my sisters played softball. And uh, it was just a natural transition that we would follow what Dad did. And, uh, you know, we always talk about softball being a, a whanau game. It was very much for us. Uh, and, of course, it continues. My kids played, or rather Kitty played softball, not so much Fetu. He played cricket. Uh, and now all the Muckles play softball. But, to be honest, we, we encourage them to try anything. If they want to yeah. have a go at something, because Tiddlywinks, we'd still support them as yeah, well yeah, too. So, so we're just happy that they select the support. A sport, and that they're active and busy and engaged and keeping out of trouble.
3: Yeah, Fitzie loves a softball, though, doesn't he? He oh. he
0: does, and he's only just. Oh, recently, he loves a sport. Yeah, he's yeah. very knowledgeable yeah. actually yeah. on all sport, and and he's only just recently started playing softball, and he takes it quite seriously. But he was a cricket player, right. you know, for a long period of time, and I can't help thinking that when he was a kid, it was just easier not to go up in competition against his sister. It was easier mm. to play another sport, um, but he was equally talented as well too.
2: Yeah. Nice,
3: nice, good King,
2: dude. That one, King mm. fan, that's for sure. For mm-hmm. a number of years, Kenny touched on that, with Fittu being uh, so supportive through yeah. his career, for sure. So, which is awesome to have that around. No, I mean when you when you started playing softball for Saints, what did
0: softball look like in the hut? Well, there was, um, gee, I, I started at a pretty young age mm. and advanced pretty quickly. And women's softball was actually quite strong at that time. I'm just thinking of a few people that I can recall. Jean Riwaka, uh, Riwaka Sisters, there were a lot of them. Slafka uh Diane Lambert, who went on to become my um, coach at some stage. And, and Diane was also the mother of Jeremy, or Lambert, mm, who's mm, now wow. currently the chair of the board of yeah. Softball New Zealand. Uh, and we were a pretty tight unit, and... Um, but I got introduced to softball at a pretty young age. And in fact, um, I was selected for the Valley women's softball team at age 13. Uh, the coach at that time was a Dave Howe. And I was horrified when he actually named me as the coach of the Valley under 13 Oh, whoa whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just say the <laughs> women's team and you're 13 and the captain? Yeah, that was right. I, I can't say that I wanted to be in that position. Uh, but I co captained at one stage with Slavgra Hearn, and uh, I was very fortunate that she kind of mentored me and looked after me. Um, but it wasn't a position I was very comfortable with. Uh, everybody in the team was so much older than me, and um, I sort of just uh, yeah just went along with the the you know doing the toss and 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 saying the hip raise at the end. Um, but I think that Dave Howe might have had some sort of insight as to. Where I might go in my later years, yes. because eventually I became the New Zealand captain. And even when I was made New Zealand captain, I really didn't want to be the captain. I wanted to be just one of the players. Um, but I think uh, you know there were certain people in in my earlier times that recognised that I might have had some leadership skills. I didn't feel that. I didn't think I had that. But I think they saw it.
3: What about the six siblings, five siblings, one of he, six? So were you a leader in there?
0: Uh, no, not at all. I was middle of the pack, <laughs> right. and uh, you know, my older sister, she was a pretty good softball too as well. Hilda, uh, she she was a non-traveling reserve for the New Zealand team at one stage. Uh, my older brother John, he was just the bully of the of the whanau. He used to just beat us all up all the time, and uh, and then there was me, and then there was um, uh, three younger ones. Um, We were really competitive You know Every game we played Was highly competitive Uh, You know If we were over the river We were throwing stones At each other I really think that That's where I learnt To throw You know We used to throw um, Have stone fights Against the neighbourhood And uh, you know And then we would come home And if it was cards It would be really competitive So highly competitive Um, family, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and probably still are. If you bring out a set of cards, we'll be just (laughs) as competitive as well. (laughs) Awesome.
2: Fantastic. Um, Naomi, as you came through the ranks, of course, playing all the age groups for Hutt Valley, uh, but but getting the tap on the shoulder to join the the Premier Women's team at that young age, what were some of the learnings that you learnt coming into that group at such such a young age?
0: Uh, I think, uh, you know, they... The softball wasn't that great, to be honest. Uh, not, not when I compare it to the level that's played today. Um, but I think we were coached pretty good fundamentals. Mm. And people were loyal. And they, they, we had really good team spirit. And we looked out for each other. And we looked after each other. And, and uh, you know, we, everyone was loyal to their clubs. And they stayed with their clubs. And it's not so the same these days because, you know, people come and go in rep teams and national teams and they, they seem to sort of move around quite a bit. But it wasn't like that in those days. They were pretty decent people that I played with and played against. We had a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone was very supportive of me at, at, at such a young age and, and I haven't forgotten the support I got at that time.
2: Tournament life um, for, and women's premiere as you came through the years getting older, um, was that travelling the country as well?
0: Yes, it was. And for me, you know, the kid from Taita who didn't really get a lot of opportunities to go out of the region, Mm. uh, it was the way I, I saw New Zealand. I actually saw softball as a way for me to travel around the country. And then as I got a little bit better and I got picked for a few more RIP teams and, and maybe even made a couple of national squads, I saw softball as being my means to see the world. And I tell this story quite often because one of my early um, motivating things about playing softball was I always viewed softball as a way for me to get to the USA and go to Disneyland for nothing. <laughs> and now we paid something, but that's the way I viewed it. Mm. If I stuck with softball and I made the New Zealand team and they travelled to the States, then I'll be able to go to Disneyland. And we did. You know, we went, my very first trip in 1978, uh, you know, to a World Champs, we spent a day at Disneyland. And I really felt at that time that I'd made it. Uh, the fact that I was going to a World Series probably wasn't the highest priority on my list. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: that's fantastic. Oh, talking about that making of the New Zealand team, you made it there that a couple of years earlier in 1976, the first time at, at, at the still at very young age of 19.
0: How did you find out back then? Well, I think at that time it was uh, either Harry Atkins or Norm Laws who were the the coaches then, and to be honest, I was a bit shocked. I didn't really have a lot of confidence in myself. I was quite introverted, quite shy. Uh, I just enjoyed softball. Mm. I obviously had some natural skill. Um, I was able to hit, throw, run, catch And um, I was a bit shocked when I first ad- added to a national squad And I really didn't back myself I didn't think I had much chance at all So to be selected for uh, you know, a national team was a pretty special occasion um, The first time, uh, when I was 19, I also had two children And one of those was Kitty uh, and also Fetu, and um, to be honest, the only way I could have played um, at national level was with the support of my whānau. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I did travel domestically or overseas, then the whole Fano would just kick in and, and pick up the kids and look after them. Nice. And that enabled me to be able to do what I wanted to do, so I was pretty fortunate in that time. My mum and dad, you know, looked after the kids, you um, you know, their other grandparents, uh, grandmother in particular used to travel down from Tokomaro Bay. Yeah. Um. She lived up there and she'd travel down and stay the week while I was away. Um. I, I felt a little bit guilty at that time being away, being a young mother and that, but I used to make up with it by buying the kids lots of presents. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> she... Kitty hasn't us stop asking for a present, hasn't he? No, no, not They <laughs> like, still expect them. to come.
2: <laughs> well, actually, actually, that that, that that reminds me of. And um, Kitty's podcast, she was talking about one of the great things that when you were involved with the coaching side of the team, is she could go shopping and still grab a credit, credit card. <laughs>
0: Yes, she did. She was pretty good at leaving the money behind or leaving the wallet behind. Yeah. And yeah, you know, oh, mum, you know. So yeah, that, that happened quite frequently. And it hasn't stopped. It still happens. You <laughs> might go down to the mall and suddenly, oh, I've lost my wallet or I left my wallet behind. So yeah, it hasn't stopped at all.
2: <laughs> I um, uh, was lucky enough to have my birthday yesterday. And uh, the daughter dropped off some nice presents and things. And then I got a text today Dad, can you transfer some money into my account? And I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, what was that for? Your birthday present.
0: Your <laughs> birthday <laughs> present. Is
3: that because is she spent all her money taking you out for lunch the other day? <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, that never changes. No, eh? no <laughs> you worry. wouldn't ever do any other way, no, would you're you? Dead right,
2: you're yeah. dead right. You're dead right. you did dead right, Lindsay. As you mentioned Disneyland, you're on your way to your first World Cup. That was in El Salvador. Tell us what that was
1: like.
0: Look, it was it was amazing, and and what was amazing about El Salvador was, and we went to Guatemala before we flew into El Salvador, I actually had to look up the map to see where these places were. <laughs> I really yeah. had no idea. Central and America. Central right? America. Yeah. And El Salvador at that time was on the brink of a war. Oh. So we got in just before the war, and before the war erupted. And so wow. all of the uh, international teams were staying at the Sheraton, and it was very, very nice. And every team had uh, a substantial number of army people with mm. machine guns guarding everybody, they guarded everything, because yeah. the country literally did blow up after we left, wow. not long afterwards. Um, and so everywhere there were uh, army with machine guns. <laughs> the frightening thing I remember clearly was the fact that a lot of the um, the army personnel were only kids, 15-year-olds with wow. machine guns, and very fragile And, um, you know, so it was a little bit of a scary situation. Yeah,
2: yeah. How was that for you as an athlete, travelling to that World
0: Cup? Uh, It was, you know, they were a third world country. And uh, whilst we stayed at the Sheraton, it was really nice, but there were occasions where we had to travel from there to a park Mm. or to a stadium, and we got exposed to poverty. Mm. It's the first time I've seen it. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. People lived like that, so it was a real eye opener for me. Thank God we went to Disneyland at the beginning, you know. <laughs> Talk about a complete different, oh, absolutely world. contrast, and yeah. you know, and it really opened up my eyes to the way the rest of the world lived, and it, it, um, I, it really, um, I really wanted a. Um, know more about the world yes. the, rest of the world as a consequence of that. Yeah. I remember going to the stadium for a, a world championship game in El Salvador and there was a mother and a child in the gutter and they were begging. Wow. And people were actually uh, disfigured so that they become better beggars yeah. and so that people would give them more money. So it was a, a bit shocking. Um uh, yeah, but we had uh, very fond memories of the people who looked after us. Mm. And uh, we had uh, quite a few people who took a bit of a shine to us and, and you know, we became close friends. Um, but, yeah, it was a very difficult time, that one. But um one an experience. And whoever goes to, I'll solve it all these days.
2: Yeah, yeah, hard. Hard. I had a hold back when you see Guatemala because I was like,
3: "Honey, Rua Papa. Yeah, it
2: was. <laughs> but, um, uh, and, and, of course, that campaign was a very successful campaign, New Zealand picking up the bronze medal.
0: Yes, it was. And uh, it was. Uh, we were a team of newbies. Um, half of the team were a little bit experienced, led by the legendary Marilyn Marshall, uh, who was a double international on f- soccer and, and softball at mm-hmm. that time, and she was the team captain. Uh, and there was a new coach in Ed Dolich. He might have started a little bit earlier, but... He, uh, he, he wanted to make his mark and he, he did that by going to the women's nationals in lower Hutt, I believe it was mm-hmm. and insisting that midway through the national tournament he was going to run a fitness run and uh, and to see how fit we all were and uh, and after that he was going to name a trial team. so a lot of uh, of the experienced and older players took exception to that they didn't want to do a fitness run in the middle of a so national not. tournament yeah. no. And um, anyway, uh, I did Because I didn't know any different And so a whole lot of us younger ones Just did what we were told We Mm. didn't really think about the implications Or anything, we did it And as a consequence A whole lot of people were missed Out of the New Zealand team Because they didn't do it And a whole lot of newbies Like myself and Lizzie Monk And um, Vicky, no I'm not, Vicky Murray Or various other people too as well Mm. Um, Robin Stora were were added into the team And so we thought we got a bit of a lucky break there Got the opportunity Yeah, because... To be fair, there were actually some pretty good players that were left behind. Mm. Um, but I think that was Ed Dolich's way of sorting out who he wanted to
2: take through and who had the heart. To be fair, Naomi, he may have taken some new blood. Yes, uh, but you still picked up a bronze medal on the podium, I and mean, that's uh, a yeah. fantastic
1: achievement.
0: Well, nobody ever rated us because mm. there were so many of us that were were new to the national team and they'd left behind so many experienced players. but really it was the start of a new era with Ed Dolich. Mm. he He coached a different way, um, he had very strong values, uh, family was important and for me as a as a mother of, of two children at that, that time that was pretty important to me as well. Yeah. So Ed was the type of person that could get the best out of you. And um, he created this team spirit and this team culture. And he practised sport psychology before it even became a word. And um, and he was certainly able to bring us all together. And so I think the, uh, it was a New Zealand team at that time. Their previous finish might have been about ninth or tenth. And then suddenly we became third. So, you know, whatever he had brought in... Um, Worked And of course, Ed Dolich was easily the most successful woman's uh, softball coach um, New Zealand's ever had.
2: Well, you list him as one of your most influential persons in, in your softballing um, career. Um, those things you've just mentioned, are those the key things that, that have, have you've chosen him?
0: Yeah, it? Ed was that for me and many others in many ways. He was not only my coach, he was a, he was a very good coach. He was a skilled tactician. Uh, and and strategy was something that he did very well. and um, he 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 coached uh, he, he wasn't afraid to take risk so he would um, really study score sheets yeah. and he would come up with patterns and the patterns were the chances of the ball being hit here to the right field are uh, probably 99 times out of 100. Mm. So he would put in a field shift and this was all long you know this was pretty new stuff. And we used to think sometimes he'd lost his marbles, you know, mm. some of the field shifts we did, but they absolutely worked out. And he backed his information, and he backed his study, and he backed his knowledge, and it always worked out. And it really won us games that we probably weren't uh, weren't expecting to win. So he was certainly a master coach ahead of his time. And uh, and of course, um, you know, he'd then named me the. Captain in 1982, and I was—I might have mentioned before—I'm quite basically quite shy and introverted—and was, was the thought of being captain of the New Zealand team and having to do a speech just made me so nervous. You know, just give, give me a game, you know, in a World Champs any day, but don't ask me to speak. Yeah. And uh, and I remember my very first speech; I was almost sick <laughs> with worry about it. <laughs> I, I remember not eating, and yeah. I love my food. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was uh, it was a horrifying time, but. But, you know, as I said, Ed saw something in me that I hadn't seen myself. Yeah. He certainly encouraged me along with Lindsay Leask, uh, Colin Ward, who were the management of that time, Lorraine Daly was another one. Um, they gave me all the encouragement I need and the, and, uh, you know, to undertake this leadership role and I, as a consequence I grew over time um, to a point where I was actually able to do a speech without worrying too much about it.
1: Nice.
0: Um, but, yeah, that was very much a growing time for me and, um, And once I finished my playing career, it was Ed who mentored me or shoulder tapped me to act as an assistant coach with him in one of the New Zealand teams um, when we had an A and a B team. So, yeah, I went with Ed and I learnt so much of him um, around coaching detail as well too. So pretty much a a very big mentor in many ways. Um, But I think the thing that I enjoyed most about Ed was he was easy to get on with. Um, He enjoyed a little bit of a laugh too as well, but... But strong values, strong yes. values around family, and to me, you know, two kids—that was pretty important. Yeah. And he always travelled with his wife Ruth, and she was always part of the team, and uh, never made to feel otherwise. And so we were really like one big happy family every time we travelled.
2: It's awesome, eh, Damien? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like I never really got the chance to meet him, and and uh, uh, he's come up so many times in different podcasts um, mm. from from down in Nelson Way, I believe uh, earlier and. Yeah, yeah, what a a, a legend he was. Well, he did not have a masterstroke there, of course, with putting a shift up some of those senior players uh, earlier in 78. Four years later, naming you, as you mentioned, uh, captain, and you ladies head to the World Cup in 82 in Taiwan, and you get the biggest prize of all. The only time New Zealand has won a gold medal at a world championship, it was you captaining their team in 82.
0: Yeah, it was, it was pretty special. There's no doubt about that. And um, the tour that we undertook prior to the world champs in 82 was through Indonesia uh, and the Philippines. And again, we were back into sort of third world type countries and we had to face adversity. And that meant in terms of accommodation wasn't the ritz. Mm. It was something quite different. And we had to face heat, extreme heat in Indonesia. And uh, we really had to battle before we got to the world champs in Taiwan. And even when we arrived in, in Taiwan, or Chinese Taipei at the time, that was quite a political arena to walk into as well. There was, uh, you know, they were separating from China and yeah. there was a lot of political stuff going on. Um, there was a lot of unrest in the country, so we had to contend with that. Um, and, uh, you know, we, as a as a consequence, I suppose, we... We grew closer together for that, you know, but we were very, uh, we were surrounded by a very staunch and strong management team who looked out for us, but, you know, if I think about all of those players, we came from different associations, we grew so close that, you know, when it came to choosing our own rooms or who we could go with, um, we pretty much opted for somebody out of our association. Which was funny. So Mm. one of those was uh, my good friend Carol Moore, who was the sister of Gina Webber. Yeah, and Carol Moore also had two children uh, who were exactly the same age as Kitty and Fetu, and they were also um, male and female. Mm. So Carol and I went shopping together. So we always got two for the price of one. We did. (laughs) We drove some pretty hard bargaining. Yeah, yeah. We we did really well, and uh, we were able to get when we came back, we had two of everything. She had exactly the same stuff in her bag (laughs) as I had in mine. I don't know if the kids ever found that out. But we certainly did a lot of shopping together, and we became very close. Um, And, you know, so did everybody. We just all split up into different associations. It was never about Canterbury being together or Auckland Mm -hmm. being together. It was, yeah, it was um, a pretty close unit. And that has everything to do with our success.
2: Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. That's got to be the key, isn't it? Mm. It's about the fern, yeah, not, not, the, not the association. Um, when we look at that um, list of players in the team, uh, you know, there are so many legends there. You know, Debbie Migrant, uh, and of course, you know, how do you go past Gina Weber? But um, it must be fond, fond memories for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Gina was a kid in, on that tour. Uh, I, she must have been all of about sixteen years old. Mm. Uh, you know, six foot three. Yeah, just about hard, to say that through hard ass uh, Didn't even know how anything worked. She just did it. She was an awesome talent. Who who was the pitching staff at that event? Was well, it Cheryl was Kemp? De- yeah, Cheryl Kemp, Demi Megan, mm. and Gina Weber. And if I think back, they were our three pitchers. We didn't carry any more. Um, their skills complemented each other. So Gina was the hard ball thrower. Uh, Cheryl was that four foot nothing, um, you know, movement pitcher, yep. um, and uh, uh, Debbie Megan um, ended up being the winning pitcher of the world championship team, and she at that stage had uh, college scholarship um, exposure behind her, so she was able to throw a range of pitches as well too. So they they were pretty much an outstanding um, battery combination. Um they were caught by Leslie Monk, who also was one of New Zealand's, um, you know, um, one of the New Zealand's best players. There's a number of them there, but uh, she played many, many, many world champs. Uh, quite a few more than me, um, and she would have caught every game. She was from the Manawatu, and. I don't think she ever slowed down, like, ever. (laughs) You know, she was like a wound-up toy that just kept springing and running around and always had a lot to say and, uh, you know, a ton of energy, and uh, her energy never, ever waned, not ever. She came from a hockey background, so her fitness was pretty superb, Um, but she was key to our our success as well too. But, you know, I've mentioned several times, really it was was pretty much a team effort Mm. and – you know, I think about Rita Fatialofa, who went on to netball fame. Uh, Bam Bam. She was called Bam Bam because she hit the ball pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, some other players like Natalie Hazelwood and Carol Moore. Vicky Murray, who who went on to play a number of uh, tournaments. Robin Storer, who started with me in my Saints club in the Hutt Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin Stinson, she was at that time. Edie Tuavira, Desley um, And you're probably aware, but just last year, we... Had a reunion. Yes. um, In Palmerston North, it was attached to the Junior Boys World Champs, and all 17 players were there. And it was just amazing to catch up with everybody. Really amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ed Dollitcher passed away by that stage. Uh, Colin Ward came. Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay Lees wasn't well enough to travel. Um, And uh, yeah, that was just an amazing function for us to catch up with. Fantastic so We've actually got Black and white footage Of the final game Really And I've got a copy of it If you ever want a copy I so, definitely yeah, no. want to see that mm-hmm. Hey Damien
3: yeah, I wanted to put it up then Yeah yeah. Can we just take note Where we got that photo And that information
0: Oh yeah, From the New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame Just so. throw that out there <laughs> So yes The team was Was uh, put into the Hall of Fame um, at that time, I think Bill Massey was part of the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, yeah, as well as Marilyn Marshall, Rita Fatilofa was certainly added, and um, I think there's more. Mark Sorensen is bound to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but just not yeah. the hot belly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh sure. yeah, but um, yeah. So, uh, so that was special. We we did have a, a reunion to, to for that induction. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Very uh, fan, cool, fan, very fantastic. cool. Fantastic, and of course you're in there individually as well, uh, Naomi, a few years later into that Hall of Fame, to go with, boy oh boy, you're in a bunch of them, and we'll touch on a little bit of that uh, later on, just in that tournament before we go away from that, because it, it's a big part of our history, it's the only time we've won the World Championship uh there, and that, of course, as we are saying, was all the way back in 1982. You won ten games. You lost the one in and round robin, but then you were undefeated going through the um, post section, playoff section, Chinese Taipei in the final. You beat them two 0 to win the gold medal. What do you remember about the match?
0: Well, I remember more the semi final prior to the final. To be honest, what was that? And that was against Chinese Taipei as well, too, oh where yeah. they had beaten us. And uh, you know, the, the the big team at the time was was the Americans. They were pretty tall, strong, and um, were expected to win the world champs. Um, Chinese Taipei had a huge amount of support. Uh, The stadium we had, you know, um, had something like 30,000, 35,000 spectators, I believe. Uh, It was a little bit of a renter crowd too as well. They put a lot of school kids in, Mm. but they were very voracious in their support of the Chinese team, and, uh, and they lifted them. Um, and so they were able to beat uh, the Americans and knock them out And so we sailed it on through into the final
1: yeah.
0: I do remember when when the uh, we were pretty much on a roll We'd won some earlier games um, uh, against a runner of play um, But we managed to get through to the final And we were playing pretty well And I remember the crowd kind of turning a little bit on their own team When it looked like they weren't uh, going to win. Mm. Yeah, so that made it tougher for them. Um, I mentioned before it was well, They the had the
2: weight of expectation of, the, of, the, of their home nation. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And so uh, firecrackers were being thrown. Wow. Uh, yeah, um, not sure if it aimed at us or their own team, but it was a very, very difficult uh, atmosphere or environment to play in. And I think uh, they were a very good team, very highly skilled team. But I just think in the end, playing in front of their own crowd, um, you know, most supporting them, some not, uh, made it pretty difficult for them. And we took advantage of that. But, uh, you know, 2-0 is a pretty good um, result in a World Championship game. And uh, we were happy with um, with that result in the end.
2: Fantastic. Um, standing on, on the podium with your teammates there, Top of the world. What does that feel like?
0: Yeah, it was virtually being top of the world. Uh, I, I don't. I just remember the game ended and we were in uh, monsoon season in oh. Chinese time pace. So there was a lot of rain. Yeah. And so pretty much once the game ended, we were whisked away back to the hotel, and then they had the big um, uh, feast uh, down at the. Uh, um, the palace somewhere, and um, and that was where our true celebration started. Gotcha. Didn't really get the opportunity on the diamond, other than to run once around the field. Right. And we've got some wonderful photos, I think, uh, showing the air of us trotting around the field. Um, yeah, so. I do remember when we got back to the hotel, got dressed, went down there, got presented this trophy and hoisting it up on my shoulders in front of um, the team was a very, very special moment. So yeah, certainly unforgettable.
2: I love looking back at at, uh, some of those uh, um, that generation of team photos where you wore the proper number ones. I love that. You know, you had the blazers and things like that and… Yeah. I mean, it looks looks so
1: smart. It,
0: it does, you know, and, uh, you know, that was Lindsay Leakes to a tee. Yeah. You know, you had to look smart, you had to, to play smart. Uh, yeah, we did. We wore dresses, um, the whole rig, you know, and we did look good. You know, things have become a little bit casual now. Um, But uh, I think about those uniforms at the time I probably didn't think much about it I just did what I was told <laughs> but, but, but looking back, you know, it does look pretty smart, doesn't it? It does And stylish Very. And, uh, you know, that would have been all of Lindsay's work um, You know, we wouldn't have had much to do with what we were going to be put in But um, but certainly they, the, the board of that day had a standard And, uh, you know, thank goodness they did when you look mm. back
3: Yeah oh. Love number
0: ones. Yeah.
2: Love easy, yeah. Easy. Men are in blazes too tight. Yes. Yeah. It works. It's, uh, it's pretty excuse impressive. to
3: put on the
1: Apple
0: one. Yeah. No, um, that's
2: right. No, but I mean you got to play another World Cup uh, four years later. This time was on home soil.
0: Yes, it was. It was Come, 19, yeah. yeah coming no. into that, that was, yeah,
2: yeah 86. Yeah. Uh, coming into that, after winning in Taiwan, Yeah, even though USA was a favourites, as you see coming into the tournament, you're still the defending world, world champions. What was the expectation or pressure that was being put on the New Zealand side going into that tournament?
0: Well, you know, playing to home crowd was amazing. Mm. You know, the whole, it was a huge um, um Where was it hosted? crowd? Thing? It was at Norana Park oh, in yeah, Auckland. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, if you remember Norana Park, yep. you know, it had a beautiful backdrop with oh, the yeah. mud flats and, and the TV looked pretty good. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, The Americans came across, they were pretty strong. So the Australians, Japan were starting to make a run. Uh, Chinese Taipei were there. China were very strong. Um, And so they were obviously after that title that that we had taken off everybody in the previous world champs. Um, I think we started to feel a little bit of the pressure of a home series. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, that was when Gina was certainly in her um, prime um, she would pitch outstanding, so did Debbie Megan. Um, and, you know, they they were a key battery of that time. But um, one thing I do remember in 1986 was there was a game I didn't, or a couple of games I didn't make the starting nine, and I was the captain. And um, whilst I was initially really disappointed, and people often ask me about this. Afterwards, was how did I feel about not playing in the in the starting line? To be honest, I didn't really care. I was mm. still part of the team, and yeah. my job was to be the captain and support whoever was out there and support the decisions of the management. And so, you know, I mean that with all sincerity. Uh, as long as you know we backed Ed and Colin, and they were going to put out the team that they thought could do the job, mm. and uh, yeah, that was the way to That that was all there was to it. It certainly wasn't about me. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah, what a great great way to, way to approach it. New Zealand do end up with a bronze medal uh, at home uh, again, though. T- to be fair, though, when I look at that, that's three World Cups in a row, three podium finishes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty special. It would have been nice to have had a silver <laughs> Even them out (laughs) to even them out, bronze, silver, and gold. But, but uh, you know, it's pretty special. Obviously, the gold's special, but it's so tough to to get to that position. You know, winning a bronze is is pretty special as well. We were happy to finish. We we were, of course, we would like it to have finished higher. Uh, It wasn't to be. It's not the end of the world, you know. So, um, so we were pretty happy for their performance. And uh, you know, it was pretty much the end of my time in in the national scene as well, too. And it was a good way to sign out.
2: Very good way, 10 years of dedication mm. to the uh, senior women's team and uh, and as we just mentioned three podiums and of course the only gold medal winning world championship uh, you gave us it's an amazing tenure so we thank you for that Naomi, uh, very much so. But as they say, there's no rest for the wicked, only a couple <laughs> of years later you jump into the junior White Sox uh, head
0: coaching role. Yes, I did, and you know that really was uh, again. You know, if I think if Ed hadn't shoulder tapped me, would I have gone into coaching at that level? Probably not. I probably would have given a little bit more time Mm. to to really learn. You know uh, about coaching. Uh, So basically, I went from playing uh, to coaching the national team initially with Ed, uh, with some of my friends and peers. I, I actually found that quite different. Uh, difficult, um, but again, it was my mentor and he encouraged me all the way. And then eventually, it led me to the Junior White Sox national coach position. Right, um, and it was from there that uh, then I really t- uh, my coaching career took off, and um, I thoroughly enjoyed coaching as well. Too, I, I will say, people ask often ask me which was easier. Uh, playing or coaching, um, playing is definitely easier than coaching.
2: <laughs> Why is it?
0: Well, you know, I was told pretty early on in the piece, as a coach, you're only going to have nine friends, and they're pretty temporary. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> not so much. But, um, but you know, when, you, when you've when you got a team in front of you, you've got to account for all the different personalities within your team. Yeah. You've got to try and make them gel together as a team, even though some of them may not like each other you've got to bring all those different personalities together and you've got to blend all of the skills, the technical and technical skills together uh, to create, you know, some success. So it's a huge job. Um, it is one that I have thoroughly enjoyed and I'm still coaching to this day. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky, I coach more at under 17, under 19. Well, mm-hmm. I coach mm-hmm. my Saints under 17 team yeah. and the Valley under 19. And I take uh, great joy Out of sharing my experiences um, with developing young players, so whilst I might have coached at the national level for four years, I think um, I really enjoyed development junior socks level um, more so than anything.
2: Well, that's the one set the foundation, and they will become uh, White Sox players in the future, uh, won't they? Because you've been involved heavily from, uh, as you mentioned. Earlier on with uh, junior White Sox, assistant coaching with the White Sox, um, but then that four-year tenure with the head coach of the White Sox as well, which has been impressive. One thing I want to get to, because I never really got to watch you coach the national teams, but I've seen you coach representative teams, and I brought out this thing. I I mean, we're talking about you all the time on broadcast, and I'm saying – it's Naomi sure It's a sure thing. Mm-hmm. Because it almost <laughs> says every national tournament, whatever it was, would be, 17s or 19s or 18s or, or NFC, you would come away with a title.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I coach Hart Valley age grade teams, and number of them, and I had pretty good players. You know, I had the likes of Kitty, uh, Zawana Aranga, Melissa uh, Upu, Cindy Portai. You know, they were pretty amazing players. I had a lot to do with them in the development years. Yeah. And um, And you know we were pretty strong all the way through. I think I adopted a lot of what Ed taught me was about being innovative and, and being willing to take risks and doing things that are different to what most people would expect. And, and I think that certainly helped in our success. So So I did coach uh, you know a number of age grade teams to national success. And also with Hutt Valley, the National Women's League, we won five out of six titles. Um, yeah, the five, one, yeah, five
2: titles in six years Yeah,
0: the, the one that got away from me was, uh, was Auckland a- And I haven't forgotten this Because Auckland was coached by my good friend Nadi uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nadi Leonard And uh, it was in Wellington And mm. I still think about what if and what could I have done And should I have done to make it six in a row And, and it seems silly, doesn't it That so many years later you think back to that game And it does great me that they won but, uh, but you know, that's life, that's, uh, that's sport, and, um, you know, and Nadi and I have gone on. Nadi was a, a captain of the White Sox team, and, um, yeah, and uh, went on to coach Auckland and coach the junior White Sox as well too. So we had quite a competitive um, thing, but we're also the best of friends as well.
2: Ah, fantastic. A little image of you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Passing on a bit of advice to your good um, friend Nicky from uh, from Croce. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that was a a National League game uh, played in the Hutt Valley. Yes, I I obviously uh, have taken exception to the call and uh, it was a bit of an unfortunate photo because I can see my fingers sticking up and it almost looks like it's up Nicole Ogier's nose. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, we won that national title, and that was the only photo they put on the in the yeah. Dom Post. <laughs> yeah, they didn't play it, show anything of the game. Um, but you know, with all due respect to to Nicole Ogier, you know, just last weekend we had our 27th annual Saints Women's Softball Tournament. Yeah, she's still umpiring. Yeah. you know, as the top international umpire in New Zealand, has done numerous um, you know world championships. Yeah. Uh, She travels up from Christchurch along with Jill Farquhar and Liz Kawana and Sandra Stanger. They travel from all over New Zealand to come support our women's softball team. They do it at their own cost, you know. So you know, still still doing that. You know, that photo's got to be. 15, yeah, 20 years old. yeah, And, uh, you know, here we are. We're both still involved. She's still umpiring and I'm still coaching. Yeah. Isn't that great? It is. You're still yeah.
3: having little talks like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually learned to get on a little bit with each other, but there may have been a few more talks like that yeah. afterwards as well too. Okay. But... Uh, you know, as as a, as a coach, were you the type of coach
2: to like get up and get into a referee, or or, or was that tactical in your mind?
1: Or?
0: Uh, it's unusual. I wasn't that wasn't yeah. that sort of person. I didn't really get racked up that yeah. much. Um, but if I thought that we were wronged by an umpire's call and right. it was a significant call yes. that changed the outcome of the game, then I was pretty vocal and 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 telling the umpire, giving them a bit of what for. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know fifty fifty calls yeah. uh, are going to be made. Yeah. I know sometimes they're going to get it wrong. But when I think that we've been done um, by a poor call, which has changed the outcome of the game, um, I do tend to get a little bit upset. But it didn't happen very often, to be honest. And, you know, I've certainly got a lot of respect and appreciation for umpires and officials uh, for what they do. They've got a pretty hard job. And, um, you know, they can only call it like they see it.
2: Exactly. Those national titles that you've won, you mentioned five with the NFC side in six years just by itself, let alone the age group ones that you did. What do you think is the key to success to winning a title?
0: Camaraderie, You know, with that team spirit, camaraderie. Uh, You know, if we've got somebody who's not going to pull together and be part of the team, then actually I don't want them. And, you know, it would be true in the national team and even Valley teams and, and any team I've coached that if somebody was not going to... Uh, be part of the team for whatever reason, and they thought they were a bit above themselves or whatever. I pretty much didn't pick them, you know. So, when you've got a, a you know, good team camaraderie, and obviously, you've got skilled players, you can do something. If people are willing to be open to learning or open to do what's best for the team, then you've got a good unit, you can mold and you can work that. But if you've got somebody who's an individual who thinks that, you know, it's all about them mm. and, uh, you know, you're, you're going to struggle. And I see that a lot and other teams. You know, we we beat teams that quite quite often stronger than us. Yeah. And you wonder how that happened. That was going
2: to be my next question. How have you guys been turning this green into gold for so long? Yeah,
0: well, enjoyment. You know, with camaraderie comes enjoyment. I don't put too much pressure on. Mm. We don't talk about winning. We talk about doing fundamentals and things well. Mm. And then if we do that well, then whatever happens, the outcome that we want happens. So that's stuff that I learned from Ed. Yeah. Um so yeah, you know, enjoyment factor is, is big, you know, and, and that's certainly counted for our success in, in all those years.
2: Nothing but a sure thing, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but a sure thing. It's like thing. you've said that before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Naomi before I finish with your playing career, um you you, you amassed 60 caps for New Zealand. You were the, the 51st uh, white socks player. To, to don the New Zealand New Zealand jersey, an amazing feat in itself. But you got to attend your three World Cups, but you also attended six World Cups or, or World Championships as a coach. What did you take from playing a World Cup to coaching a World Cup? What were some of the key things you passed on for that?
0: Oh, look, every time you play, put on a New Zealand jersey, it's a learning experience. Uh, I've learned so much. And, and you know what, to be honest, I still learn. You know, coaching today is vastly different to coaching 10 years ago. You know, coaching 18-year-olds is different to coaching 28-year-olds. So I don't think I've ever been in a position where I thought that, you know, I wasn't going to learn or or knew it all. And, uh, you know, very much so every experience or international experience uh, was accumulated and carried on. And, um, you know, uh, coaching at those World Championships is a different level. It's not like anything you're ever going to experience at in New Zealand or at domestic level or at club level. It's another whole world, and it's a, it's a considerably big step up. Um, so having all of those numerous experiences certainly helped me towards um, you know, being, becoming a, um, a good coach, a competent coach, um, but also understanding um, the pressures that the players were under, uh, understanding how to coach women is important, understanding that if some of the players had children, how they were feeling. Uh, You know, for me, a lot of it's about feeling. Yeah. And uh, and I think if you can make a player feel good about themselves, you're going to get a good performance out of them. And um, that was always important for me. You know, even now as I coach development teams, um, you know, the end result is not the most important thing to me. The end result is that we have a kid who learns a few new skills along the way um, has an enjoyable time and comes back to play softball the next year. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what keeps, keeps me going, like right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a great, great mindset for sure. I know uh, a lot of parents, especially when they start out with their kids and sport, whatever it would be, it's all about winning. Or how do I, my kid, not in the starting lineup and that type yeah. of thing. And, uh, if they just took a second to sit back and watch and, Observe and enjoy what that yeah. has been played in front of them. Yeah. Soon, find out what the most important thing is, and you're dead right. Their enjoyment is the is yeah, the that's keyword. right. Yeah, yeah. and of
0: course, you know, even as a coach, um, we have to have enjoyment too. Yeah, you know, I've surrounded myself with good management teams, and uh, you know, good assistant coaches. I've had a number of them over years. I've had some amazing managers. Uh, you know, and we've all got on. Uh, we knew how to have a laugh it go away and, uh, you know, some of it was black humour and probably inappropriate, <laughs> but uh, but we knew how to have a good time. Yeah. And I don't even recall, you know, uh, not having a tournament where I didn't really enjoy it. So so as a coach, you've got to have some enjoyment too as well. So, um, yeah. Um, but I certainly enjoyed seeing um, players progress and develop. You know, I even coached uh, under-13s or under-15s. And, and for me, uh, the progression in that particular age grade was if a kid – could catch a ball by the end of the season, that was progress, yeah. you know, so yeah. yeah, and that's that's always wonderful to see a kid who couldn't catch a ball before suddenly make a great play in the outfield and everybody surrounds him and gives <laughs> him a hug, you know, and that that's a wonderful feeling to be part of sport, you know, being in that position, and I actually feel quite privileged that I'm still in this position uh, and still enjoying it.
2: Well, fantastic, and well, we've enjoyed seeing you coach and still seeing you coach and of course um, your playing career. Everyone that does something great in their time gets recognised, and you've been recognised a hell of a lot here. Started way back in '94 with the Hutt City Civic Honour of uh, Voluntary Community Service, and that kind of pins exactly who you are, to be fair, and I look at that as one of the first awards you've got. But as we mentioned before, uh, Hall of Fames, uh, Sopo New Zealand, the Sport New Zealand, uh, the ISF, which is the former WBSC, uh hall of fame's when those accolades come for someone as you mentioned yourself kind of a little bit shy at times (laughs) how does it feel?
0: I'm I I always feel awkward about winning awards, you know. We we play a team sport. It's not an an I didn't want to be the captain. No, I didn't want to be the captain, you know, and uh (laughs) yeah and I, I always felt uncomfortable about receiving awards, you know, um as an individual. Um but it wasn't till a few years later that I realized how important it was actually to be acknowledged. You know, I'm currently in a a, a role in 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 sport where we acknowledge people, and we celebrate them. And and I've changed my story a little bit I think because I think we need to be able to celebrate yeah. You know, achievement when you get it. And I'm part of the Hutt Valley Sports Awards. Yeah. And, oh. uh, and young Damien here is one of our MCs <coughs> yeah. and a very good one too what as well. What a production. Yeah, and it's really important to us that we celebrate achievement. I'll
2: tell you what, I got that feeling when I went to my first one this year and saw yeah. the production that you put on for the Hutt Valley yeah. Sports Awards. It is off the chain amazing.
3: Yeah. It just seems to get bigger every year. Yeah, it,
0: yeah, 11 years we've yeah. been going. And, uh, you know, we were lucky in the last couple of years with COVID. We actually um, postponed the event three times before we ran it. <laughs> we worried terribly that nobody would turn up. <laughs> and we were actually one of the first events yeah, that's right. when uh, COVID, when yeah, lockdown opened up, mm-hmm. and everybody was so hanging out to go out yeah. and have a do. <laughs> yeah,
2: sixteen hundred people. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: good. Yeah, and so yeah, you know, I'm really fortunate and privileged to be part of that scene now. So whilst I didn't appreciate it that much when I was receiving those awards, I certainly know how important it is that we do celebrate, um, because you know it's like in New Zealand, and you know, everybody wants to. Knock um, the tall poppy. Mm-hmm. There's way too much of that that goes on in New Zealand. So I think if somebody does does well, get out there and, and give them a pat on the back and acknowledge them and celebrate what they did do.
2: I see a nice one here. In 2011, uh, you mentioned you played your whole career for the Saints Softball Club, and of course, going in line with that, for Hutt Valley, and you were made life member in uh, for the Hutt Valley Softball Association in 2011, and rightfully so.
0: Yes, yeah, that was special to be acknowledged by my um, only association I played for, Heart Valley, mm. uh, and I similar with the Saints Softball Club. You know, again, it, it was an award that I was never comfortable with. Um, I just do softball because I love it. Um, but again, it's it's people acknowledging what you do, and you have to respect that. You know, you have to re- take receive the award with the amount of respect that it was given. Um, so you know, I know some people get a little bit ho-ha about getting these things, um, but you know, just just remember that people do want to celebrate you, do do want to recognize, uh, yeah. you know, and thank you for the work that you do, and um, yeah, just let it happen. Nice. The, the
2: one here, a question about the Rotary International Paul Harris Fellow Award. What was that? What's that one about?
0: It was actually a pretty special award, and and I was nominated by a very good friend of mine, Jay Howe, for that role, mm. and uh, you know, it it's it was the I think uh, the Hutt Rotary or the Eastern Hut Rotary. And uh, when I went to the function to receive my award, I didn't really realise how special it was. Uh, the Paul Harris is one of the, um, you know, it's an international award within Rotary. Wow. And it's awarded to people who give service to the community. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, they had a wonderful function for me. And um, again, there was a special award, not one that I would even expect to be recognised in. Um, But Jay Howie was the president of Rotary at that time Her and I taught at Nana College for many years And and it wasn't just an acknowledgement of what I'd achieved in softball It was an acknowledgement of all the the work that I did at Nana College when Mm. I was Teaching there, and the amount of time they'd put into sport and outdoor education and students and people, and so you know, so it was a you bit had of an
2: eighteen-year career coaching at Northern uh, Coaching, teaching at Nine
0: College. Yes, yeah. I yes I did eighteen years, um, and you know I left there to go and work for Soft New Zealand, where I became the national director of coaching, and I was very reluctant to leave Nine because I loved it. You know, yeah. I to, you know, I loved it. You know, loved the students. I loved being there. I loved the fact that you know I was involved in outdoor education, and that I would be, you know, could be um, skiing or snowboarding down the slopes of Ruapehu, or sea kayaking down the Abel Tasman, or in Marlborough Sounds. And I thought this is not work.
1: You
0: you take a group of kids away on those outdoor stuff, and and that was me. I've got a very um, a love for the outdoors, and so you know, I had all those opportunities through teaching at Nino College and um, and gained some very good friends. And what I can say about the Nino College students, uh, that I still continue to meet regularly is that they still have a they still call me Miss, and uh, yeah, and I keep saying thank you until I call me Miss, you're allowed to call me Naomi now, um, but you always get a big. Hug from them as well Tim mm. And uh, you know I, I didn't realise How much I uh, When I left Nana College I really missed The noise I used to actually Share an office there With Kitty Who was a teacher At that time At Nanai And they used to Bang on the door And they'd go Mishore sure And we'd go Which one <laughs> <laughs> And they'd go Um the older one, <laughs> so be careful about what you say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was obviously the older one, and the other Shaw was a younger one. So you know, we had a bit of fun with that. So it was pretty cool that Kitty and I taught at Nino for a few years together, and of nice. course she's gone on to the head of uh, PE, and yeah. my son, Fetu. So works at Nine College. So oh, great. at one time we did it. call it Nine Shore College because they <laughs> had owned my the sisters. Rock? You oh must oh own we the owned the rock and day. we yeah, yeah Nine Shore College. Um, my two sisters worked there. My father was an ESOL reader. My brother-in-law was a groundsman. Kitty and I were there, so it was pretty much Nine Shore College at that time
3: eh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fantastic.
3: It definitely explains the amount of softballers to come out of that school. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, we did a few trips. Yeah, you know, Nine College teams, boys and girls. Uh, you know the I. I I conned a few cricket players to come and play <laughs> cric- uh, softball. They absolutely loved it. Um, and, yeah, for a lot of those kids in Nainai, it was their only chance to get out of eye. And we travelled to Dunedin for yeah. Nationals with old Robbie Easthope. He took hmm. the, the boys' team at that time. That was just one of my most favourite trips. Yeah. It really was. And um, well, and, you talked and about that when
2: you were young. Softball was a, a way to see the country, yes. and, and you're providing the same thing for
0: the yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. And this was another whole group of kids. You know, the, the standard obviously wasn't like national level, um, but you were exposing new kids, and most of them were pretty athletic and talented, to be honest. And it wasn't difficult to teach them how to play softball. Nice. Uh, and so yeah, we had some we had some great trips. Yeah, and usually the boys and girls teams would travel together, which made it really interesting. <laughs> It's <laughs> uh, fun <funnelled> all around. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, with that experience and, and that um that education background, is that um something that is so important with uh, your saints in schools?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know, it does help to have a teaching background to be a coach. Mm. Uh, is
3: that something you were
0: behind? Yeah, I think um yeah, I, I've done a lot of softball in schools mm. and, uh, you know, teaching primary schools, intermediates and colleges as well too. And, um, and having a foot in the door helps. Yes. So, you know, I had contacts with College Sport Wellington and they were pretty proactive in, in celebrating sport yeah. and they, they were very supportive of softball. Um, and so at, when I was at Nainai College, sport was a pretty big feature mm. uh, for all of our students. We had a, a roll of about 1,000 at that time. Uh, and sport was big. Mm. And sport really was the saviour for a lot of nana kids. It kept them at mm. school, in school, and, and we had a code too as well. You couldn't travel uh, with a national team unless you'd behaved or done your exams or, you know, done your work. Uh, and we didn't take we didn't take naughty kids away, you know. So so they had to work really hard to be included in our team. And, you know, for, for a lot of them and, and for me, the carrot was always travel, mm. travel and fun. Yeah. yeah,
2: sounds like a pretty cool character, doesn't it? Oh, there yeah. were some
0: great characters that came through there, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Mark Sorensen was a Narno College boy as well too, well before my time. Uh, but he's another good Narno boy.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. What did he say about when he was he was in the states and everyone was going, "Oh, yep, what
1: university? Oh, yeah, oh, that's right, so
2: <laughs> and so right. University, and, and a degree in this." Yeah. And he said.
1: Nino University. Yeah, Nino University, yeah. <laughs> and a degree <laughs> in Hard
0: Knocks or something. Or something. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, School yeah. of Hard Knocks. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt. So, yeah, a lot of very special people have come out of Nino College, there's no doubt about that.
2: Ah, very, sure. very cool. Um, you went on, and uh, Letty. Laddie, uh, years after that, you were made legend, tucked into legend status for Hutt City and Wellington. Um, but 2019, um, it's got to be one of the marquee awards someone can receive in New Zealand. Uh, making the Queen's Honours list for the New Zealand Order of Merit.
0: Yeah, you know, without a doubt. Again, it was another award. I wasn't quite, you know, <laughs> but but my sister Hilda uh, nominated me for this and I was pretty well supported. Uh, it was a wonderful occasion. If you've ever been to Government House, it's a very special place. Yeah. We got to meet Dame Reddy, uh, who was the um, Governor-General at that time. What a lovely lady she was. Uh, had to buy a new dress, I remember that. Um, <laughs> but the most special part for me was that the people who came with me, um, that was a couple of years ago. So Dad, who's 95 now, would have been 93. And his uh, my lovely stepmother, Sally, who would have been about 85, um, I loved it because they were there. Uh, you know, the, the government... Government House people just swanned around, you know, Dad and Sally, and looked after them, and and that's what gave me the most pleasure. Awesome. Um, yeah, they were just wonderful, and um, and yeah, and my partner Matt was with me, and of course we'd been together for twenty years, and he passed away not that long afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it was a special occasion. Kit, you're, you're limited to the number of people you can take to the occasion. Uh, so I took my best friend Glenda, Glenda Prahi. Uh We've been friends since Pōmāri School, since we were five. Wow. So we've been friends for 60 years. <laughs> yep. We're still best friends. In fact, we just had coffee two days ago. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, from Pōmāri. And, of course, um, Kitty and Fetu as well, too. It's special to be there. So I had the very special people around me. It was a special occasion and... Um, and I'm back at Government House uh, in December, and that's to celebrate Peter Horn, who you might be familiar with. Um, but Dad nominated Peter Horn for a Government Honours, and he, he's been accepted. So Peter's invited Dad, Sally, and me back again to to the Government House, and we're looking really forward to meeting Cindy Quddoos. So, wow. Yes, yeah,
1: that'd
2: special be occasion. Awesome. Yeah, yeah new governor general. It mm. should be fantastic, and and yeah, that would well, be a great occasion. Congratulations, Naomi, And it's Absolutely. an amazing feat um, to make the Queen's honours list. And, and
0: yeah, and more special for Dad. Yeah, yeah. especially, you know, he's he's been there. All, well, obviously, he's been there all my life. Yeah. That's a silly thing, isn't it? Um, but he's also been my um, most, uh, you know, my biggest supporter. Yeah. Also. my biggest fan like he's always given me advice uh it hasn't always been well received on oh my dad you know <laughs> <laughs> there are times when i thought I knew it knew at all yeah. um, but you know dad and, and I are pretty close and uh, you know I, I have a caregiver role now um, he still lives independently with Sally mm-hmm. and uh, you know I'm down there every second day to make sure that they're right yeah. um, but they're active they're um, you know they're pretty active and they're pretty onto it and uh, you know we think every day is a good day you know because being with my dad and Sally nice. so very special. Very, Amen.
2: very cool. Very cool. Just because you haven't achieved much in your life, uh, Naomi, <laughs> you thought
0: you might run for council. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny that, wasn't it? I, I, I got shoulder tapped. Again, it wasn't something that I thought I, I would do, but I got told by Akin Ken Laban that I had to. That guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> you know, And I didn't really have any choice in the matter, and he said, while you're at it, go for the DHB as well. So I put my name down, not really knowing what the council was about, to be honest. And I did a bit of campaigning. We had a campaign launch, and I got a a, a bit of help from friends, uh, you know, in in governance. And uh, and then I went away on a softball trip (laughs) overseas to um, to California. So during the elections, I was actually. This is in 2019. um, during the elections, I was actually, over, actually overseas with the New Zealand Diamond Sport team. That's right. and uh, And I had a whole group of people, you know, um, people who were putting up uh, my billboards, people who were delivering flyers, um, doing all this work for me while I was swanning away uh, over in California. Yeah. And it was o- while I was over in California that I'd heard that I got elected and I actually polled third highest. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm not even (laughs) there. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Uh, And so, you know, I'm very grateful for all my supporters. I'm actually grateful for Ken Laban shoulder-tapping me because I can see that, uh, you know, there's a real need to have women represented and Māori represented on both the council as well as the DHB. It's been a fantastic experience. I love the community work. And uh, I've enjoyed every minute of council. It has its moments. Don't worry about that. Um, and I'm looking forward to actually doing some proper campaigning in the next trainium and, and going back for another round. Um, but yeah, it's given me the opportunity to to do different community work. And uh, you know, I've put a lot of time back into where I come from, Taita Pomari Stoke Valley, where I live. Um, and also uh, involved in uh, a lot of the council things. I, I'm not sure if you, you may have seen it on minute. Facebook fairly uh,
2: recently. Yeah, involved with the stars. Yes, 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 David's going to find that for a second. before we get to that. I see here listed you're on 13 committees
0: or subcommittees. <laughs> yes, yes. We we actually had it. <laughs> it's a
3: it's a lucky number, I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, we just had a commu- uh, committee meeting communities. Uh, Committee meeting, council meeting today Uh, Gosh, you know, I I wasn't that strong in governance beforehand But I've certainly had to learn along the way And I've learnt an awful lot about how the city runs Uh, We're surrounded by very good people Uh, You know, the the mayor and my fellow councillors um, We all get on, most of us get on pretty good Uh, And of course, you know, the people who run the council The officers and the uh, chief executive, Joe Miller are all outstanding people so they're actually uh, a real pleasure to work alongside
2: ah fantastic talking about getting on along <laughs> together you're a little alluded to this before <laughs> maybe not dancing with the stars but something significant to do with obviously a cultural experience as well
1: <laughs> there you are, there you are. <laughs> Did Uh, you just do the cross (laughs) legs?
0: Well, we thought we'd have a breakout session, eh? You know, a breakout from Diwali. And, you know, it was a hilarious night. We had so much fun. And, uh, you know, we had to have a few wines beforehand because I would never normally get up and dance. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm amazed at the number of hits that that particular video has got. I think it's up to about 45,000 now, something like that. What? How do we get those numbers
2: chopped? It's crazy. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh but what a lot of fun. And you know, like I say you can see people enjoying themselves and, and you know, we talk about I've talked about camaraderie all the way through and there's camaraderie on the councils yeah. as well, too. So yeah. Yeah, uh, was I really enjoying a, it.
2: Very cool. Re- really, really is good. What what is next for Naomi Shaw?
0: Oh, so yeah, so fourteenth subcommittee. Yeah, <laughs> another subcommittee. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yes, so um, yeah, I'm looking forward to campaigning for uh, the Hutt city council. I've enjoyed it that much. I feel like I've I've got a lot to offer. Nice. Uh, I've done a lot of work in the community. I enjoy Malai stuff, um, you know, and um, and working, uh, you know, community houses. I really do enjoy that. So I'm keen to go back for more. Um, You know, I'm one of those people now who can get on the bus and the train for free between (laughs) 9 and 3 o'clock. Yay! So, so yeah, it's Gold Card Day. Um, And just fairly recently, uh, Matt and I bought a motorhome um, before he passed away, and we had wonderful times in the motorhome. So so I've just got it back because she was in the garage for three months. I really missed her. Her name's yeah. Mere the Motorhome.
2: Mere the Motorhome. Uh,
0: and, uh, you know, my intention now was that, uh, you know, in the St. Softball Club, I'm on the committee, and I'm kind of sharing the, the coaching role of the Premier 2 team, women's team, and the under-17. My co-coach with the uh, Premier 2 women's team is Fraggle. Right, yeah. So mm. Craig Simon's mm. a former Black Sox player. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're kind of going to job share. So it means that I don't have to be committed every week if I want to go off and meet the home yep. to, you know, the coast, the Waraaba Coast, uh, which is a favourite place mm. for me or up to Mahia or Hawke's Bay or up Wanganui or, you know, out to Kapiti, uh, you know, I can take the weekend off and, and nice. just go off and enjoy a little bit of time. I, I've got a rather large and very sport rock winner. and so he's my security. Yeah. Yeah. And he loves the motorhome as much as I do. So, yeah, that's for me, you know. I'm I'm pretty flexible about what I do. You know, the way I put it is um, I've got the gold card now and I've got 15 good years to (coughs) – excuse me, 15 years to do some good living.
2: Nice. Nice. And and so you deserve (coughs) it too, Uh, We 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 definitely look forward to seeing what – could possibly come up next uh, because you always seem to to be involved with something and it's always something (coughs)
0: good well we are planning a Matariki or maybe a Christmas dance or something like that so I can't wait for that one (laughs) Yeah, we, we you know, it's good that we can have, have a laugh at each other and have a bit of fun with each other, but there's a very serious side to politics and yeah. uh, there's a lot of work to be done. You've heard about the Three Waters reform. Mm. We've got Riverlink, you know, we've got some huge projects on the table. Um, so, you know, that's the serious stuff and, and uh, it's very interesting to get a, a look at the behind-the-scenes work.
3: Nice. What's nice. the um, what's harder, uh, a SOP or association committee or governance of uh, a council? Sofum association committee.
0: <laughs> <think. laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Okay, a, take your time before you answer yeah, yeah, de- <laughs> that one. Do you want to think about that? <laughs> it's yeah. a stupid. Now we got a
2: question here from a couple of fans. One, Charlie uh, Tangiarnau, and Jackie Smith, both uh, making mention about how such a great photographer you are. Jackie asks. What's one of your favourite photos that you've taken?
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, I am well known for photos. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's actually a, a hobby that I picked up from my dad, who had a fairly decent camera, and I ended up getting a good Canon, and, and I have a real interest in, in um, taking photos. I love sports photography. I like getting a shot where you can freeze somebody just before the action happens, and having a sporting background helps um, helps that. Yeah, uh, but I have to say my favorite. Um, and I, I toured Europe and got some amazing photos of castles and and beautiful stuff over there. Um, but my most uh, my most favourite photos were when I was on safari in South Africa. Mm. We went on a safari, and I had the good camera, and I got some amazing photos animals. And I just could not believe it was like being in a David Attenborough show. You know, I could not believe that I was out here at dusk with uh, giraffes and lions, and uh, you know, um, water buffalo and elephants. And the elephant story is the one that uh, the photo that gives me the the greatest. Well, what I remember actually, yeah. I, I jumped up the front like you do yeah. because you you don't want to be at the back where you're going to miss all the stuff. Mm. And so I'm sitting up the front with the guide, and the the rest of the people are on a, a sort of tiered seats at the back. Yes, we come around the corner and there's this big, huge bull elephant, and he doesn't like us. Oh no, <laughs> no. So we had to stop, and and the the guide said shush, right, she didn't say shush, she said something else, like be quiet, like we had to be instantly still. And the elephant charged, he charged the vehicle and he came right up close and I'm sitting there with my camera and I'm going, click, 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 (laughs) click, (laughs) click. It's probably aggravated the big bull elephant with the big floppy ears. But I've got a photo of this elephant and he is so close to me, his eyes are cross-eyed. Wow. Yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, that's how close it was. And then, of course, the guide backed up. And uh, he wasn't very happy with me because the noise of the clicking camera <laughs> might have set the elephant off. I a said, shh <laughs> <laughs> bloody kitty!" Uh, oh, and wow. on that same trip, I got the most fabulous photo of three rhinos together who just happened to stop and pose for me. And that's you know, I've, I've got numerous mm. photos. And I I do enjoy taking photos of my grandchildren, yeah. but they won't pose anymore (laughs) (laughs) you know it comes with age you know they become teenagers and they don't want a camera stuck in their face Uh, and I've got some fabulous um, you know scenic photos but I do enjoy animal photos uh, probably most of all when they're they're often quite difficult to get and uh, yeah so yeah I have put a lot up on Facebook and uh, you know people comment a lot about the quality of my photos Mm. yeah that's pretty good
2: very cool before we let you go Naomi a couple of last questions from me anyway, but uh, is um, for any young aspiring softballer that really wants to make a good go of it, what's the advice you'd give them?
0: Well, the advice is nothing comes easy, you know, it requires a lot of hard work and extras. We call it extras. It's okay to turn up to a club training and maybe play some rec games and you might have the odd training. But if you want to go further, it requires extras. And that Mm. means going out with your mum and dad or your coach or a friend or a supporter. And that means taking 50 cuts and receiving 50 balls and just throwing straight and getting it right. And I think, uh, you know, once everything becomes natural and you've got a nice, easy rhythm, uh, you know, you're – pretty much putting yourself on the path to success. And, you know, through our Saints Softball Club, uh, currently we've got two girls, and, and Charlie Tangiano's daughter, Lace, yeah. is currently on scholarship in Texas, mm. and my called Denver Shortate Tate, um, is currently in East Stroudsburg. And, uh, you know, those two girls worked really, really hard. It didn't just happen, you know, they worked hard at it. They were selected to go on this wonderful opportunity, and uh, I say good on them. You know, at the Saint Softball Club, we encourage all our young girls to think about the college scholarship opportunity. Uh, it's not only an education, but it's a great experience to play softball too, as well. Too. So, you know, that's our pathway at the moment is to encourage young girls to to get onto this college scholarship pathway.
3: Excellent! What a great. Denver will be stoked. She got mentioned first as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: favourite yeah. yeah,
0: but you know, we, we uh, both Lacey and Denver played for us last year, yeah. and th- they've left a big hole in, in our lineup. But that hole has been filled by other promising young players, and we're pretty excited about what we've got. And that means that you know, as coaches, we have to develop a new group of people coming through. So we love it. Yeah, ah. you know, Kitty's Kitty's uh, you know the the junior white Sox coach. She's of a similar ilk, and we enjoy development aspect that comes with coaching young people and I not only so. about just softball it's also about being a good person as well
2: absolutely i said i only had two questions so i've got, <laughs> <actually> got <laughs> two more and they're actually completely different spectrums uh, uh, the first one is um wouldn't it be like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah uh building a new stadium and getting council to pay for it how does that happen Uh Ooh. do you mean the,
0: the Fraser park sports Bill? yeah yeah, isn't
2: or, it? Or like put, putting in like another one. Also, how do you how like do you at get Fock council to invest? Oh,
0: city park, <laughs> yeah, uh, different council about mm. city council. Yeah. Uh, look, you know, you have to lobby. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, look, you know, Hutville are very well served, very well blessed with amazing facilities, and mm. they just haven't popped up. You know uh, what I've found on councils, everything is very agonisingly slow. Yeah. So there's been a lot of work done in the background from long ago. A lot of advocating. Yes. You know. So, you know, if, if that's what you want, uh, you know, think about, get get a little group of like-minded people who are passionately driven, uh, plant the seed, you know, put the groundwork in, uh, float the idea, uh, you know, get the support, uh, get the momentum growing, and you'll be amazed at at what can happen. You know, for every council decision, you know, we, we go consult, we go out to the public, uh, we allow people, submitters to come to our meetings and tell us, Tell us what it is, tell us what they think, and we do listen you know if if, if you know somebody comes along and wants a, a new track up the eastern hills, mm. we do listen, mm. so you know um you've just got you've just got to get out there and make yourself known and um and yeah, uh who knows what can happen
2: great advice, I like it great advice. My last question I promise this is my last question. A kid walking down the street, you come across him or her. They've got so many options in sport these days, whether it be soccer or basketball or volleyball or hockey or whatever the case is. How do you convince them to play softball?
0: Gee, that's a tough one because yeah, you know I've, as you know i've I've got a muckle who's playing up in Yorkland blues uh, football uh, rugby academy. Stoked and for him, but uh, yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, but I've got over that he left the Hurricanes and I am now a blue supporter when it comes to rugby. Um, <laughs> oh, did you hear that?
3: Miss 04 here.
0: I would have loved him to play softball, uh, you know, because he was pretty talented all round, and mm, sure was. Uh, but at the yes. end of the day, he's got to follow what he wants to do and what he loves because they've got to put the work in. And, you know, he's hard out training and he decided that Auckland was a place he was going to go to. He's going to build an apprenticeship. He's loving it up there and uh, and he's doing what he loves. And for me, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be softball. You know, I, I think softball is the all-round game for all-round athletes. Yeah, mm. uh, I really do. You know, good athletes can play softball no matter where they come from. Um, but whatever you do, you've got to do it because you love it. And, um, and you know, you've got a passion for it. And, um, you know, if my more all wanted to play tiddlywinks, I'd be supporting them doing mm-hmm. that as well too. So, so, you know, we're right behind whatever they choose to do. I suppose because we're so heavily entrenched in softball, it's going to be a natural progression to softball. Mm. But Sage that, m- broke that mould. He really did well. play softball. He then went to baseball. Uh, and now he's rugby. And you know what? He's still young enough to come back and play softball. Yeah, so, absolutely. you yeah. know, maybe that will happen one day.
3: You mentioned all these things, um, and and the start of uh, the podcast, um, Chopper asked you why, but wh- what, is the, what has been that key to just keep on coming back and, and keep on enjoying it? What's been that key to enjoying it still after all these years?
0: Well, well it's the word enjoyment, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't enjoy it. That's not to say that it hasn't been without its challenges, <laughs> you know. Life, life is one big challenge. Um but, you know, I'm I'm at the pointier end of my life and I've determined that I'm going to live life well. And so that means that I continue to do what I enjoy doing and I discard what I don't like. Uh, there's just no point. Mm. You know, I don't, I've only got 15 years. So I've figured I'm going to be 80 in 50 years' time. So I've got to make sure that my next 15 years are going to be the best they can ever be. And I learned that from my father. You know, he, he lives life really, really well. Um, so, yeah, enjoyment is the absolute thing, and I'll continue to keep on doing it while I enjoy it. Nice. Yeah.
2: Beautiful. Fantastic. Naomi, I want to thank you for coming along tonight and sharing your story and um, getting an inside look into to what where, where Naomi Shaw started, <laughs> what life was like in the beginning. Um, and what the road has been like going in, playing Premier Soppel at such a young age. And then New Zealand at a young age and captain of those two teams uh, at young age. And of course, the pinnacle of all of that, being the captain of the team, that's only world champion uh, team from New Zealand ever, uh, is an amazing time. And and, and everything else you've done, accolades, is, is phenomenal, what you're now doing with the council. Thank you so much.
0: Well, oh, thank you very much for this. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this interview. And, uh, you know, I consider myself to be the fortunate one. Uh, you know, I chose softball. Um, it served me very well. I've done very well out of softball. I also played a lot of other sports. Um, I've got a wonderful family. I've got good friends. I've had a good life. So, yeah, uh, I'm the fortunate one. And, uh, yeah, so thank you very much for this opportunity to talk a little bit about my life.
3: Thank you for sharing it. We know it was so
2: easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ten years with the New Zealand White Sox team, sixty caps under about. The accolades are phenomenal. Three World Cups, three podium finishes, and of course the big one in nineteen eighty-two in Taiwan. 2-0. They win that grand final and reign supreme, number one in the world, for the first and only time ever for softball. New Zealand, all the Hall of Fames, all the local competitions, NFC, age groups, you name it, coaching up and down the shop, nationally, domestically. She's done it all and she's now helping at a council level as well. Never wanted to be the captain. Never wanted to be the the figurehead. She deserves every accolade she did. Tonight's been Naomi Shaw.
0: Thank you very much.
2: New Zealand Order of Merit. Need I say any more?
3: You don't, mate. We just had uh, almost royalty. Nah, basically New Zealand royalty in it on the couch and beyond the dugout. Happy days,
2: man. And we get to call her a friend. Hard out, mm-hmm. auntie. Auntie, maybe. sorry,
3: auntie Naomi. Yeah,
2: yeah. sure is.
3: So don't call her a goat. She'll probably hit butt you.
2: Uh, I love that about her too, man. Yeah, She's hard. humble, right? Hard. She's like, I don't want to be the captain. Yeah, I what you know, and I, I, I don't want this stuff and I'm, I'm really just about the game and that's a cool thing about Naomi Shaw what was it? Premier Woman's at 13 Heartbelly
3: like Heartbelly Captain at 16 like it just doesn't happen <laughs> like you know so yeah no, she's lived a life she's still living life she's still writing those chapters and just the the, the spirit and the and the way she holds herself to go with it, it's just awesome
2: true example of identified early yeah. she was going to be something great and they were right Naomi Shaw, Shaw is a great person
3: yeah and she had the drive to be that greatness as well you know uh, you fall into situations where um, you either take it with both hands or you you kind of just let it go you know and she's definitely one of those that has taken opportunities and made opportunities and um, as I said earlier mate we're, we're very lucky to have Naomi Shaw and softball
2: very lucky indeed. When you talk about opportunities, it reminds me about next week's guest. Of course, we posted this week. Who would you like to see on uh, this week's podcast coming up next Friday? Who, you, who do you want to see? Mm, I know, it's like... I'll tell you who I want to see. i got tons, but to be honest with you. But yeah, you tell me. Well,
3: I'll, I would like to talk to Don Trickett because I know he's in the country and I know he's in Wellington. So I'm going to throw that out there.
2: we got to track him down. Yeah,
3: I know it's off-season. I yeah. don't want to you know I don't want to go back and forth like Travis no Jax <laughs> he's here mate like let's lock him in I don't know if it'll be next week but it'll be soon yeah because I because I said
2: so Wayne Machado yeah no I don't know <laughs> nah yeah it'll be cool to get to to catch up with Don also it's an opportunity though for you we put the post out there you who to us, you want to hear <laughs> in the next podcast or two yes the ones that win it and get it right and who we choose they are going to get in the poster Beyond the Dugout Stubby Holder coming to you. Oh, I love hot. it. For the summer.
3: Oh, mate, if you are drinking the summer, you need a Stubby Cooler. You sure
2: a stubby do. Stubby Holder.
3: You with, sure do. With the Beyond the Dugout logo. For sure. For sure. Indeed.
2: Of course, don't forget to hit the merch uh, shop. You can get yourself polo shirts, hoodies, exactly. the caps, and obviously the, the. Singlet. Stubby Holder. And now the singlet. Mm. Yeah, yeah can't wait for us things to get good. Summertime. Yeah, summertime. Beauty. Yeah, fantastic. So yeah, put your comments below. So send us a message or send them beyond the dugout a message. And like I said, who, whichever, get to come on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. And if you've got it right, because of your influence, stubby hold us. And
3: well. if you want to get yourself, uh, you know, at the top of the class by actually contacting that person and maybe, you know, putting in a good word for us,
2: happy days. happy, <laughs> happy. <laughs> Happy. That's happy, extra points. Happy days indeed. Well, mate, before we sign off, we've got young Jackson in here. Now he's gonna little he bit shy. Sh- why is he all shy this <laughs> time?
3: You're a veteran. You've already been on the podcast before, remember? You gotta talk into the mic, Jacko. Like we can read your lips, but no one else can.
0: Yeah, so.
2: What's up, Neff?
0: What's up?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you in the on the couch, man. Isn't it past your bedtime? There's like no bedtime for Jackson this time of the year, is it? Nope. <laughs> it's lockdown. Talking about that, dude, have you enjoyed living in Wellington then the last kind of couple of months? All good. Yeah. Why?
1: So I can play some softball.
2: Yeah. And baseball. Yeah. Have you enjoyed it? Yep. Cool.
3: I know my dogs have loved you being here, mate. So I appreciate that. Yeah, but. Who's quite your favourite? No, oh, I know, mate. I'm well aware. Who's your favourite? Um, so out of me, Mel, who's your favourite? I can't say Okay, fair enough um, You can
2: just say Mel, it's okay,
3: we know yeah, We all know <laughs> Oh, it's
2: been good having you here mate
1: Hey, okay, don't talk to me
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> ah, It's a treat to have you boy, I'm glad you've enjoyed your time Back to Auckland soon, though man Open day up there today So we'll see how that goes uh, For the kids heading on back up there <laughs> He'll be back over the Christmas break He always is Oh uh, yeah For sure indeed Tearing it up Hey we've got to get our Traditional Bomb off the wharf And uh, outside the or Off that uh, Tower thing Hey yep.
3: I'm not missing this one yeah. Saw the video last year
2: Yeah We'll have to get old Damien up there See so if we can get A mean money Or staple gun on
3: Oh I can do a mean Belly flop i got no belly So what, yeah. <laughs>
2: Will you do a double backflip From the top Top tier this year Old danger boy eh Maybe, Maybe. Uh, Okay he obviously Hasn't got enough balls yet But never mind That's okay Fine I will then Oh Nothing like a challenge eh, I love it Nothing love like it. a challenge I'll tell you what A little shit he probably will too Oh yeah Without question <laughs> <laughs> Yeah uh, Well there you go Ladies and gentlemen Thank you so much for tuning in For episode 33 3rd of December Freedom of Day praise. Auckland. Yeah, welcome, Auckland, and hope you enjoy tomorrow and whatever it brings and its freedoms up there. Looking forward to catching up with you all soon. I'm half Damien Collins. I've been Jason Goobies, aka Chopper. We love you all. Kakiteanu. Thanks, guys. Gonna miss you, Jacko.
1: Thank God
0: it's done. <laughs> <laughs> Be on the dugout. Lay some up, and we run out. Step up to the play, swing away, or you get struck out. Pitcher on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the base. Do it for your teammates, do it for the fam Do it for your city. True ballers understand. You gotta work together, you gotta find a way. Put your body on the line and make that play. Be on the dugout. Lay some up, and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Pitcher on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the base. Be on the, be on the dugout. Beyond the dugout.
1: Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout.